Hello, my name is Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. This is the first of many forthcoming listener question episodes of this podcast. So I'm going to dive right in to some of your questions. What exactly was Voices and its inspiration? Voices was a piece I read for the episode about writing dialogue. Uh, Voices originally came out of I had a girlfriend at the time who was taking a typography class and she needed a written piece to illustrate some letters and she had it in the idea of like old medieval um, scriptures where like, you know, we had very ornate first letters, things like that. Um, I always think of the um, title cards in Monty Python's The Holy Grail, but that's just me. But if you need a visual reference, that would be one of them. And I actually had written a piece involving several voices inside a man's head, and you later find out that he's had someone attempt to murder him. And there was a parrot character who always repeated everything, and there was the, you know, bass voice of the guy, there was his kind of inner asshole And then there was, I believe, another voice that questioned everything. That might have been the parrot as well. And then there was a kind of neo-noir story that kind of went along that was a um, parallel metaphor for what was going on in his life. And I thought, well, each of these voices can be a different font or can be illustrated differently using typography. And turns out... Uh, It was too complicated, and I had kept it because I really liked it, and I had ended up um, highlighting uh, and color-coding the voices so I knew what was going on after I was done with it and just kind of filed it away. I've talked about this before, having an idea dump or a folder where you keep ideas where you're done but you don't know what to do with them, and I ended up writing uh, something else for her that she ended up not using, which was a poem that was a kind of a Faustian story. And I ended up using it in a design class, graphic design class, where I illustrated it as a comic and kind of had the poem be this demon narrator. So once again, you never know when you can use some of your ideas, whether they're incomplete or complete. So take that away from this as well. Um, But that was the inspiration from Voices, was just um, playing around with dialogue and literally voices, knowing that they would have a design element um, one way or the other. So that was kind of a neat way to attack the piece, Um, something I always had in mind. And now I draw as well, and I do graphic design, as I just mentioned. Um, So it's not hard for me to think visually, when I'm writing, and I know that may be difficult for some writers, but it's a fun exercise to think about, well, if this were to be illustrated, used in a comic, or if I were to, you know, have it seen as a picture, how, you know, what are the mechanics of what you're writing? So that might be a fun uh, exercise to do, is to think about if you were to see your poem, your short story, whatever it is, illustrated, not in a Um, you write it and someone else draws it, or, well, I guess you could say that, but in a, if you were to look at typography or alternative fonts outside of your Times New Roman or Helvetica or whatever, 
what would it look like and what kind of fun could you have with that? And look at comic books, specifically off the top of my head, Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum, where each character had a different font for their speech bubble, and it really brought out uh, visually what the character could or did sound like. So that's something else to look at. The next question is, speaking of comics, what do you truly get out of reading comics? And the two notes I made are kind of in tandem. One note says, seeing the Matrix and scripts. And basically, what I get out of comics... One of the things I get out of comics, other than just enjoying them and uh, enjoying the art, the good writing, um, a look at dialogue and word economy, which is a reader question I'll get to on the next reader question episode. When I look at comics, if I've read them a couple times and I'm not just simply enjoying them or reading them for, for content, I'll kind of dissect them and look at how I imagine I would describe each panel, what the script format would look like what the script itself would look like, describing the art if I wanted to, vocal effects in terms of whispering or yelling, emphasis on certain words, what the sound effects or vocal effects would look like, things like that. And I have uh, multiple copies of scripts written by people I like, such as Warren Ellis, Neil Gaiman, Graham Morrison, that from comics they've written, or you can get amazing uh, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, DVD extras, so to speak, in several trade paperbacks or compendium collections of comic books, if you're interested. I know the Grant Morrison... I keep coming back to him. Grant Morrison Batman R.I.P. has a bunch of stuff where he does, like, panel breakdowns on the side of his written script, and you can see what he was thinking. But in that, I, you know, without a, you know, pre-written script, I'll kind of take a couple pages and sit and write or do it in my head, how I would describe that. And that teaches me kind of a self-taught how to write comic scripts, as well as it, you know, kind of forces you to think outside the box if that's not how you're used to writing. Or you may think of something, well, I would write it like this. Well, I've never thought of writing anything like that before. And now you have a new tool in the toolbox, a saying which I will try not to use too much this episode. The, like I said, the other side of the coin, the tandem thought on this, is it it's the opposite of film scripts. Now, when you read a film script, and I have a few, I've got Chinatown by Polanski, uh, there are a few others I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. I know I've got a Shane Black one, I, I think it's the first, the first Lethal Weapon, if I'm not mistaken, where I will try to, once again, visualize what they're writing, and I'll see camera angles, or... Um, camera effects such as zoom in or a certain kind of cut um, and I can see how they the writer describes a scene and then I kind of fill in visually a lot like when you read a book and you picture your character or what's going on and how they move um, how your mental camera is moving around the action so these are coming from a, an unillustrated script such as a film script you can visualize what you want or visualize what the writer wants you to see versus a comic where you're seeing it and then you can visualize or write out the script. Once again, great exercises in terms of script writing, description writing, um, and really adding more to how you write. Third question, how did you start writing? 
and I do get this one a lot, and it kind of coincides with something I hear and think a lot because I wanted to get into stand-up comedy for a little while, and a lot of comics get to hear, like, how did you break into comedy? And I get, well, how did you just begin writing? Well, it's, it's same same answer. You just do it. You, in terms of comedy, you get up, you make a bit, you get up there, you test it out, whatever. I'm not going to get too much into that, even though it would be writing-based. In terms of writing, it was as simple as, as a little kid, I thought of stories and wrote them down or drew them, and as I got older, I read voraciously and just started writing. I had ideas that had to get out, wanted to get out, and I put them down on paper, whether it was analog in a notebook um, or digitally as I you know, grew up and got into computers and writing everything in Word or text edit or whatever you have, whatever word processing uh, you have. Final Draft was a script writing one I ended up getting into, which is an, which is an industry standard. I just wrote and... I don't wait for motivation or creativity to strike. I don't wait for that epiphany moment, um, the synchronicity of the stars and the moon and my brain. I just sit and write. Um, when I'm done recording this, I'm going to be writing, going back to writing some of the I Hate Kathy Hammond podcast and more of the Black Falls podcast season four. And I don't feel like writing. I feel like sitting and watching some TV and, you know, getting some other things done, but I'm going to sit down and bang out what I want to get out as far as I can, and then I'll go back later and edit whatever I have to, but I'm not going to wait for the moment and mood to strike because then you write in these really lengthy fits and bursts that really don't get you anywhere close to a completed product in a timely manner, and really... As a writer, you're going to have to get used to deadlines. You're going to have them, especially hot on the heels of the last question, which I'm about to get to. But in terms of how did I get into writing, I just did. It's just who I am. It's how I'm hardwired. I had a friend when we were uh, in bands together, and I would, you know, help write songs. And I would write a lot of lyrics, which is effectively poetry. And he said, what would you do if you couldn't, you know, you didn't write, what day job would you have, what would you do with your life, and I looked at him, I said, not an option, one way or the other, I'm always going to be a writer, whether it's successfully or not, I don't care, well, I do care, but um, it won't matter, because that's just who I am, and that's what I enjoy doing, and that's the fire that burns in me, so in terms of how to become a writer, if you're already writing, you are a writer, it's that simple, you just have to keep writing and really, like I said, just buckle down and write every day for at least, you know, an hour, a couple hours here and there. But don't wait for the mood to strike. You'll never get anything done. Trust me, it's every writer's mistake to do that at the very beginning. Lastly, and this goes with that whole deadline thing, a question that got asked a lot, um, a question that I asked a lot at the beginning of my writing career, how do you get an agent. Because you can't just send your stuff to editors or give them out to people. Uh, it's not like art uh, where you can show people and they go, oh, that's good. Go here. Um, writing, it's a huge legal thing. You can't just hand out your script. It's called unsolicited material. For a lot of times, it is illegal, technically, 
for certain people, such as other writers, to take scripts like that because then if they write something similar or they, whatever reason, uh, you can hold them uh, culpable for stealing your idea. Um, so no writer I know, uh, professional or unprofessional, um, will take anything anyone else has written physically or via email. They'll just delete it. I know that for a fact um, from writer friends and mentors. So how do you get an agent? A few easy ways. You can go to publishersmarketplace.com. Um, that's kind of an industry standard. They'll set you up with editors, literary agents, other writers, um, writing groups, uh, workshops, all sorts of stuff. It's a great place to go, even if you just look um, and peruse as opposed to joining in. It's a great community. I highly recommend it. And once again, that was publishersmarketplace.com. You can also do your own legwork in terms of look at who your favorite author's agents are. I know very early on I'd written one of my novellas, 700 Degrees, which I read for this podcast, and I had someone that said, there's no market for this. Where's the market for this? And I ended up shipping it um, around agents from some of my favorite writers because it was in the same vein, having been influenced by them. Uh, to be specific, I ended up getting in contact with Chuck Palahniuk, the author of Fight Club, among other amazing books, getting in touch with her and saying, you know, I've got something here. She took a look at it, gave me some notes, wasn't interested, and that was fine. I, you get used to rejection in this business. and uh, But I was like, you know, obviously something dark and weird and funny. I'm not going to go to anyone who publishes Nicholas Sparks or The Fault in Our Stars. Not that I'm really poking a lot of fun at them, but just as an example of the opposite of what I write. Um, so I went to people who publish Richard Cadry or Chuck Palahniuk, Warren Ellis at HarperCollins, stuff like that, because I'm in the same vein as them, not only being influenced by them, but just what I write in terms of content. Send letters, emails. Most have readers that will, you know, pass along good stuff, pass along bad stuff, and you'll get word one way or the other about 99.9% .9 of the time. And if you get rejected, um, they'll give you notes, for the most part, about what you could fix, what they didn't like about it, why this may not work in a broad sense, is it too niche, um, things like that. So, and take these things constructively, because they're going to better you as a writer. You know, think of, of a, you know, a. well, I, I can't think of a good metaphor extremely off the top of my head, but, I mean, imagine a knife that gets, you know, brushed against a whetstone over and over again. Yeah, it's being eroded, but it's being eroded to a sharpened point. It's becoming better. So that's an excellent metaphor off the top of my head, negating what I said earlier. Um, another way to find an agent is to ask other writer friends. Do you have any? Find them, um, if you don't. I know that if you don't have many writer friends, or any at all, you can always go and join writing workshops and then befriend other writers, which not only strengthens your writing because you end up having peer review stuff. Um, once again, stone, or um, wet stone and knife metaphor. But you'll end up making friends, which is always good. 
And you see in industries, especially creative industries, when one person kind of pops, they tend to take other people with them because people go, well, you're really good. Who do you like? And they go, you know what? My friend is actually a better writer or a, a, you know, an interesting writer. And they get attention. So it's always good to make friends within the industry. I mean, friends are friends and friends are good. Um, that should be your first priority, in my opinion. Um, don't look for, you know, people who could be instrumental to your success. I think that's very psychic vampire-y. So there's that. So be careful of, you know, how, how you're making friends or what your personal intent is if you have ulterior motives. Lastly, um, in terms of finding an agent, and it's just sometimes this simple um, or this complicated, Google that shit. Google literary agent in whatever state, whatever city you're in, and get in contact with them. You will find a wealth of information on this thing we call the internet. It's, like I said, it's that simple. It's also that complicated because you're going to have to sort through a lot of sponsored links, links that, you know, you may not trust, and you might have to set up multiple meetings with literary agents until you find one that you like, that you can work with. Um, it's that simple, just... Tippity-tap away on your keyboard and, and see what happens. But don't be afraid of the legwork. Don't be afraid of putting yourself out there. Even if you get rejected, think about what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And with that, I'm off to, like I said, go write. Because I have to. Because I want to. So, this has been Mr. Wright. And remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Right on. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher.